This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. I'm doing great because it is fall and at fall I turn into a basic white woman. (laughs) The the only, the only exception being I do not care for pumpkin spice, but everything else about fall, I am over the moon about. I love fall too, um, which is very basic white woman of me. I never liked pumpkin spice lattes because they're too sweet, but I have recently discovered that if I sprinkle a little bit of pumpkin spice just right on my unsweetened cup of coffee in the morning, ooh, I love that. It's good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, my cat, Chupacabra, he is also a basic white woman. He loves anything that is pumpkin spice flavored, and he will violently assault you to get to it. <laughs> like That is amazing. Yeah. If I make like pumpkin muffins or pumpkin bread or something, we have to lock him up in another room where he screams and freaks out trying to get out so he can just attack you and get at the pumpkin spice flavored things so the next time i bring my dog over the the secret is to drizzle her in pumpkin spice oh he will kill her (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's a reason why we named him chupacabra we tried to give him a nicer name but he's just an evil psychotic animal so right on cool 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 Well, it's raining today. Thank God. It's been the longest, driest, awfulest summer. It really has. I mean, mean, not the awfulest summer. Last (laughs) summer was worse. That's true. For so many reasons. So many reasons. (laughs) But yeah, like uh, late August, our well actually ran out for a little while for like 20 minutes. And we had a moment of minor panic. So uh, very glad to see this rain. Hopefully, maybe listeners can hear it in the background. It's pounding on my window. So I guess I assumed y'all were on town water. No, we're like two miles. We're like right over the border from where town water stops. So we've got a well, which usually (laughs) I prefer, except, you know, not during droughts. Well, today, unlike last week, this week really is the actual season finale of season two. Of this podcast, which has got to grow up sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. And I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. Yes, and we watched episode 21. As you noted last week, this was a Monday episode, so this was kicking off an entire week of excitement. By far, I think, other than the the pilot, the best Monday episode we've had. Oh, for sure. It it is so action-packed and so wild, and it was tons of fun. So we should just uh, launch straight into it here, I suppose. After we talk about predictions, I'm starting a new segment based on last week entitled Let's Talk About the Thumbnail. (laughs) Okay. Because I I really, I feel like there's something here. We're going to go with that impulse. It's always a a good idea to trust your gut on stuff like this. All Mm -hmm. right, your predictions from last week. You figured the girls would immediately go back on their sacred vow and the arrival of the guys would herald the downfall of the sisterhood. You predicted that Garrett would get confused by Mila cold shouldering him and would try to figure out how to get back into her good graces. I think that's, I'm going to give you that one. I think so. I I think, I I think my, my 
Other prediction, marginally successful. I mean, yeah. We didn't have, we didn't have Coven downfall, but there were some there were some shenanigans. There were some moments, for sure. Okay. We predicted that Garrett's smarmy charm would win the day and he would manage to salvage the Mila relationship, but JT would not salvage his relationship with Glory. 100% wrong on that. So, so wrong. You predicted that some adult would enter the room and they would have to hide all the guys. Eh. Kinda. Yeah. Ish. You uh, thought that Sandy would sing, Mila would join her, and Sandy would be dismayed. Sadly, that did not happen, I wish. No. Uh, you predicted the whole episode would take place in the bedroom and would pick up exactly where we left off before. Dead right. And yes. Yes, good one on that. And you predicted that Sydney's long game on Garrett would turn out to be that she lets the Countess know about the boys sneaking in, and somehow that would get Garrett in trouble. I'm going to give you that one. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I feel better than 50% this week, which might which You're, might yeah. be my best my best session yet. You've been right. pretty good the last few spouts of of uh, of predictions and I think you're getting on a hot streak here. I think you're getting to know Swan's Crossing well. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct response. What have I done to myself? Before we jump into the episode recap, the thumbnail for this week, the the four four of the six girls appear to be in a dance line in the foreground <laughs> as Mila seems to be talking to Garrett and now uh, Mila seems to be talking to Garrett and Owen, Sandy and JT look on from camera right. It was very reminiscent. I thought we were going to get like a 1960s 70s like doo-wop girl singing group that's what i thought was gonna happen based on the thumbnail oh my god that would have been incredible because they really looked like they were doing one of those like little step sway turn it does look very doo-wop-ish yeah so in pajamas of of all things but uh, we did not get that we did get a truly exorbitant amount of dancing yeah one might argue entirely too much dancing one might argue that and one would be right we pick up instantly with the coven meeting we get a a recap basically of of them having their sacred oath again over their candle flames and then the boys break into the bedroom the um the ladies immediately start wiping off the face mask stuff that they're wearing uh callie doesn't know why the guys are here sandy thinks it's awful jt at some point picks up a paper parasol and begins opening and closing it jt explains that all the boys are there except for neil who got some kind of like science inspiration on the way there and like took off on his own to work it out on his computer i was bummed like i was hoping neil would get thrown into this this wild party and see what he had to do absolutely and really can you imagine someone more out of their element than neil in mila's bedroom it would have been great to watch. I'm I'm sad that right. they made this choice, the writers. Yeah, it's it's sad. Um, JT tries to strike up a conversation with Glory, but she is not having any of his crap tonight. She throws a stuffed bear at him and walks off, and JT starts reciting his practiced apology to the bear. Owen climbs through the window with his keyboard. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> uh, 
even after like the thing is is that jimmy says that he wimped out uh and then literally like seconds later he's coming through the window with this keyboard i'm very i was a little confused by this writing choice i know i I assume it was just there to like give sandy a moment to sort of express that she was hoping owen would show up because she's like where's Mm. owen and jimmy's like he wimped out and then owen immediately appears like i don't know what the purpose was of that an editor would tell me to cut that if i wrote it in the book literally as soon as owen's in the window we get the mila chime and he sees mila brushing her hair and smiling at him it was hilarious that like sound effect so So, yeah he's instantly smitten and sandy like sees it and makes this revolted face and she just hands him his keyboard like he's the world's biggest asshole and owen says no thanks i just ate (laughs) uh as jt is over practicing his apology wording he spies the food table Mm -hmm. gets excited and walks over and glory immediately approaches now it has been in screen time roughly i want to say 25 to 35 seconds since glory last walked away from him she comes over like it's been a super long time since they've last seen each other and it's so funny yeah (laughs) then we Um, see saja wearing a huge blonde wig rising like leviathan from the sea behind a giant bowl of swedish meatballs and uh each meatball is stuck with a toothpick bearing a tiny swedish flag just in case you forgot what these things are i don't know if we've talked about this pardon me if we have dear listeners when i was a vegetarian for like four years I didn't go around craving meat, and I hate this weird thing. Yeah. Like, this this particular weird thing where everyone seems to be pressuring Saja to be vegetarian against his will is very strange to me, and I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. It's very weird. Like, I rarely eat meat. I don't call myself a vegetarian, but I eat meat maybe once every two weeks just because I'm like, I should probably eat more plant-based food and try to save the planet a little, you know? It's so weird to me. Like, no one has ever tried to force me to eat meat when I did not want to or, like, vice versa. Like, if I was like, I'm going to have some meat, nobody was like, but wait a minute, Libby. You are almost entirely vegetarian. I'm going to bully you out of this impulse to consume animal proteins. It's so weird. Anyway. Very, very odd. Near to Saja, Jimmy is telling Callie that her face is green because of the face mask she had on it. And she says, your mouth is big. (laughs) I love Callie. (laughs) He, He asks her about it and she's like, I thought you could keep a secret. Jimmy, understandably, has no idea what she's talking about. Yeah. And then Callie says... If you don't know, it must not be that important. And can I just, I want to go on record as saying this is one of the tropes that I hate the most. <laughs> I I think in my life, maybe two times, I've had a, a woman be like, if, if you don't know, then I'm not telling you. But it seems to happen in film and television all the time. Yeah, this is one of those things that it it seems like men have sort of been conditioned to believe that women do. When in reality, I've never done that ever. And I don't know any women who have. Most of the time, if a person, regardless of gender, is upset with another person, they want them to know the reason for the upsetness. Yes, typically. That's been my experience. That is usually how it works, yes. I hate this trope so much. Well, finally, Callie tells him she's mad because he blabbed about her being afraid of the dark. He gives the lamest apology ever, and Callie storms away. Then Jimmy turns around and yells at Saja for almost eating a meatball. Yeah, 
definitely why. Also, while while Jimmy's apology is lame, unlike JT, he has actually apologized. That's true. He did just say, I'm sorry. So yeah. that's good on you, Jimmy, I suppose. That's some good wizardry right there. <laughs> Who's a good wizard? <laughs> Garrett is still standing on Mila's bed like a total asshole. He's playing an umbrella like a guitar, like a folded up umbrella. And lo, actual guitar riffs are heard. Absolutely. Mila goes over and talks to Sydney. She's going to get the Countess to throw Garrett out, but Sydney stops her. Mila brings up their solemn sisterhood oath, the, the coven oath, and Sydney just tells Mila to follow her lead. And then this is probably my favorite little section of dialogue in this episode. Mila asks if Sydney has a plan, and Nancy pops into frame <laughs> like a creeper. Nancy! And says, if you knew her better, you wouldn't even ask. It should be noted, throughout this entire scene, Sydney is gazing into a crystal ball for no apparent reason. That's oh, crazy. definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I have this secret suspicion that if everybody if everybody in Swan's Crossing has a secret superpower, Nancy's is that no matter who is in camera frame, Nancy is just out of camera frame. It doesn't even matter if she's in the scene. Like, I just, I'm going to go... As I watch scenes without Nancy in them from now on, I'm going to imagine that Nancy is just off camera. She is everywhere. <laughs> it's proven often more time. It's proven true more often than I care to admit. You're absolutely right. It happens a lot. Uh, <sighs> Mila kind of looks back at Garrett, who's trying on the black wig. He catches her eye and gives her a smarmy smile, like the smarmiest of all smiles, like he is the hottest shit alive. And Mila turns back to the girls and says she's all in on the evil anti-Garrett plan. She wants to bring him down. Then we go to the opening credits, and it, it has been recut. It has. It's very exciting. We get new images under Gotta Grow Up Sometime. And and so we get some of the images from the more recent episodes, not just the pilot, which is very exciting. When we come back to the actual show, Owen is sitting on Mila's swan bed with his keyboard across his lap. He's singing, but not even pretending to play the keyboard. And uh, did you happen to write down the lyrics to this incredible song that he's belting out? I think when it comes to writing down the lyrics, I'm going to generally leave that to you. Largely because when, I, when, I'm, when I'm watching it, I'm like, Libby's already written, written this down. Okay, here it is. Brace yourselves. This is how Owen's song goes. This great, talented songwriter from Swans Crossing, USA. Under the moon, me and my tune. Oh, whoa, whoa. That's it. So good. Isn't that great? Wow. What a songwriter. What a talent. <laughs> That's a bad song. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so JT and Jimmy go to sample some food. JT gives Mila his gum to hold which is so weird. And all the guys are wearing wigs now. And at this point, <laughs> at this point in my notes, I said, are we going to some like it hot this? <laughs> I got very excited. I wish that would be wonderful. Sandra becomes fascinated by Mila's vanity. He's looking at all the, you know, perfume bottles and whatnot that are all over it. He picks up a framed photo of Mila. Then he studies himself in the mirror very pensively in a very strange way. And I'm not sure what the writers were going for here? Like, is it just that Saja hasn't really found his own identity yet? Like, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the writers were not trying to convey that Saja might be wondering if he's transgender, because in 1992, the media pretended very hard like trans people didn't exist. 
Yeah. It's just this very strange, unclear moment. I don't know what we're supposed to be gathering about Saja's character arc in, at this point. So it is very strange. I, did you did you go through like a period in like middle school, high school where you intentionally sort of avoided other people because you were like trying to figure your own shit out? Or is that just me? Um, I didn't intentionally avoid other people, but I definitely remember like a period in my life when I was trying to figure my shit out and be like, who am I exactly? Like, this is weird and confusing. It gets better, everybody. It <laughs> gets better. All of those middle schoolers who are listening to our podcast. <laughs> uh, we cut to JT stuffing his face at the, uh, at the food table. Nancy asks how they got in around the Countess. Garrett walks up and he says that, that, the Countess is in the West Wing watching sopras on video soap operas. Sopras? <laughs> soap operas on videotape. Sopras. Sopras. It's it's Oprah doing a soap opera. The 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 thing I was I was really wondering like where in the timeline are we? And turns out DVDs were not released for another five years after this came out. Oh wow, you actually did some research on that. The, I, listen, the, probably the only thing I have looked up in this entire 21-episode podcast, 20-episode <laughs> uh, podcast, is this particular factoid, which is that DVDs were released to the general public in 1997. Wow. I actually am surprised to hear it was that early. I feel like it would have been later than that. And then I, then I went back and looked at when VHS came out, 1976. Oh, yeah, yeah. VHS so, old. VHS had a really long run as the uh, video replay media of choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, VHS was considered such a rock-solid technology back then that, like, most of the science fiction written in the 80s and even in the early 90s couldn't even imagine anything beyond recording data on magnetic tape. Like, you still find sci-fi from that era that's like, oh, he played the tapes of so-and-so, yada, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not what's going to happen in the future for yeah. sure Definitely not. <laughs> anyway uh garrett says of of the countess's soap opera she's watching it seems like in today's episode veronica and norman accidentally ate their pet hamster i hope these are episodes of three o'clock dreams that the countess is watching because that just adds more layers of mystery to what the fuck the plot of three o'clock dreams even was well i would assume that of all of the all of the soap operas out there, the one that the Countess is most likely to have VHS tapes of is definitely Three O'Clock Dreams. Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of established that she doesn't really seem to be able to tell the difference between reality and Three O'Clock Dreams. Like, she seems to think that yeah. the things Mila did in her role on that show really happened to actual Mila the person. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a little weird. Uh, yeah. Garrett hopes no. his pop quip about eating hamsters got Mila's attention, but she is still just totally ignoring him. Yeah, go Probably ahead. one of my favorite things about this episode is how bothered Garrett is by being ignored. It's so delicious. <laughs> Dear listeners, watch this episode. It is so wonderful. It feels really good to watch because you're like, finally, you little asshole. I'm hoping you might get a chance to talk to Shane McDermott and ask him several questions about how he characterized Garrett. Assuming oh you can still remember it was like 30 plus years ago. So Mila is just completely ignoring everything Garrett does, despite all of his attempts to get her attention. And then we just kind of see Callie over at the corner of the frame, and she is just 
looking at Jimmy with this neutral yet somehow incredibly intense stare. Like she's not talking to him. She's just watching him, which clearly, clearly unnerves him. So the two bad boys of Swan's Crossing are not having a great night with the ladies. They're not until Nancy comes up to Jimmy and says, I can't believe you climbed all the way up here. Was it just for us? Jimmy brushes her off. He's like, no, I came to hang out with Tutu. <laughs> Garrett finally seems to get Mila's attention, asks if she wants them, the boys, to go. And she does not answer. She just walks away. Oh, yeah. It should also be noted that every single girl is in on this. They are all, like, he makes some attempt to talk to Nancy. And Nancy just, like brutally cold shoulders Garrett just pretends like he doesn't yeah. exist. so everyone the coven is united and being like you are dead to us Garrett Booth so right and it doesn't it doesn't seem to be all the boys it's really just Garrett oh yeah they're just getting Garrett this time uh we cut over to JT my notes say in all caps still eating yeah getting some more food he's a growing boy uh <laughs> glory glory comes up to him again Glory is really putting in all the effort in this relationship. I mean, as per usual, right? Yeah. Um, um, she's got a stuffed bear this time. <laughs> she's she's like, so? And he, he asks if, he's, if she's tried this thing that he's eating. And she's like, did you get my messages? You idiot. And then she says, sounds like your laryngitis is getting better. Oh, fatality. Oh. <laughs> Um, he tries to make some stupid excuse. He fumbles his fork and just like semi-intentionally smashes food all over the front of his own shirt. Callie, uh, he he makes some excuse about sunspots being the reason that he he didn't call her back. And then Glory's like, "You are like loving one dead lizard," <laughs> and, and she walks away. And he goes, "Where have I heard that before?" And I was like, "Dude, nowhere. No one has ever said that in the history of the universe." Callie comes over to talk to Saja, who's still over at the vanity, and she asks why the boys are there. Saja says they were summoned. And then, as if he has been summoned, Jimmy comes over and basically says Callie just doesn't understand their tradition because no one can raid her on the sub. Which is probably, let's be honest, the captain's worst fear. He's got some hangups. Garrett crosses over to Glory. Even she will not talk to him. She just kind of brushes him off. And Garrett is like really starting to get concerned since even his sister won't talk to him. JT Uh attacks him with a stuffed bear. And then the boys all start beating the shit out of each other with teddy bears. Mila breaks it all up. Uh, He tries to get her to talk to him. She walks away again. And then Jimmy, Garrett looks at JT or Jimmy and goes, I love it when they play hard to get. Oh my God. She's not playing hard to get Garrett. She just doesn't want to be gotten. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is another this is another trope that I hate. Yeah. Okay. Relentlessly, Nancy comes over again and starts chatting up Jimmy. She reminds him of the slumber party she had last year. And he's like, and she's like, you crashed that one too. And he's like, yeah, we all, like all the boys crashed it. And she's like, well, I only remember you. In my notes, I literally have. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy is clearly not thrilled with Nancy's flirting, and he says to Garrett, what you just said goes double for me, the subtext being that Jimmy also likes it when girls play hard to get, which is the opposite of what Nancy is doing right now. Exactly. Nancy pulls Jimmy over to the food table, 
as they as they get close, we get this shot of Callie oh, seeing them together. I love and this I, shot. I was like, is this supposed to imply that she's jealous? What the fuck is happening? Listen, my notes say Callie gives the universal look all ladies know, which says without words, uh, what the fuck, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) We know that look. It is instinctive to us. Sydney declares to everyone that it's time for the Swans Crossing line dance. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus. This ridiculous dance is back. Kind of. Yeah. Except, except it is not to the theme song this time, and it pretty it pretty quickly breaks down to just like awkward teen dancing. It does, right? but I have to I have to talk about the song that it is to for a moment. It's another Sandy and Owen banger that plays, and I have to say, I legit fucking love this song. It is honestly an excellent early 90s pop tune. I cannot get enough of it. It gets stuck in my head all the time. Like, it's so good. It gets played, you know, it it appears occasionally throughout the rest of the show, but it's like, talking sweet as honey, but you ain't gonna get too far. It's like, awesome. It's I love this song. And I have been trying to find out what its title is or like, if it exists anywhere where I can buy it. Apparently it doesn't. I'm very sad. Okay. You know what? Maybe we should talk to our uh, friends, which Richard Winsler and Steve Lane. Oh, I should. I should talk to them and see if they like have a recording of it anywhere. Such a good song. It's so poppy and it's so like Paula Abdulish, and it's just really fun. I love it. I love that you just referred to a, a song from 1992 as a banger <laughs> on, this, on this show. So, it is though. It's a it's a good song. I mean, there, as you mentioned, there have been extremely good songs on this show throughout. We haven't really dived into how much we like the songs that were written for the show yeah. as much as the songs that were pulled into this show and licensed. Anyway, yes, for sure. Um, so uh Sydney pulls them uh yeah, so so the the she gets them all together for the line dance, it breaks down into teen dancing. We get a shot of the wall of TVs, which is showing the teen dancing, and while the dancing is happening. Saja is up up in the back sniffing Mila's perfume bottle, hits the lever on the vanity that spins the wall around, <laughs> and I just the one of the things that I love about Mila's bedroom is that everything that seems to be mechanically operated is very obviously being physically operated by people off stage. None of it is smooth, none of it is even, whether it's the elevator or the the wall. I mean, it's just, it's so good. This is so something good. only a theater director would notice, and I love it. Anyway. Um, but anyway, I was so excited to see the return of Mila's weird rotating vanity slash fireplace, because uh, it, it's Chekhov's gun, apparently. It, it has been used in a plot device. It wasn't just yes. for fun. While the banger is going on, Tutu gets into the dancing. He does. He's like bobbing with his crest up and everything. Um, all it. the girls are still giving Garrett the cold shoulder. No one, were da- no one will dance with him until Sydney appears to affectionately touch his face. But in reality, she is smearing a yellow face mask all over him. Yeah. And then Callie does the same to Jimmy. Glory does the same to JT. And Sandy does the same thing to Owen. It should be stressed that the dancing goes on far, far too long. Oh, my God. It feels like an hour. It's so long. It does. It feels like a truly insane amount of time. (laughs) Well, finally, we cut to later in the evening, uh, as denoted by lower lights. JT and Glory are slow dancing while almost everyone else is just doing other stuff. And JT finally manages to get out his apology. Glory accepts it, 
and the relationship is healed. They're back on. Can I just say, you don't have to work on your apology that hard. It's not, it, I've apologized for many, many things in my life. <laughs> and it's not that hard to apologize, JT. Yeah, just you get it out. say, listen, I'm sorry, I was a jerk. Sorry. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Then we see that Jimmy and Nancy are also slow dancing, though Jimmy looks like he's doing it under duress. And Garrett is gazing in distress at Mila and Sydney, who are over across the room, doing their own thing like total BFFs. It should it should be noted that as Jimmy is dancing with Nancy, he keeps making like prolonged eye contact with Callie, who's over <laughs> on the side of the room. And Nancy like obviously notices and like punches his arm to get him to pay attention to her. So then we're back to JT and Glory, and she brings up that weird thing he said before about loving one dead lizard. And she's like, yeah, that's from one of your poems. And then he realizes that Neil gave her gave his book of poetry to Glory. And she, he seems pissed about it, but, uh, but Glory stands up to uh, JT, stands up for Neil, since he was trying to make Glory feel better. Glory just lies to JT's face. <laughs> I loved the poems. You're a wonderful poet. Your poems are so deep. They're all about... She pauses. She says, things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's that's often what poetry is about. (laughs) My Uh, writing, too, is about things. (laughs) Yeah. And then right as they're, they've made up and they're right about to kiss and they're holding it. They're like uh, half an inch from each other's lips and Garrett bumps into JT. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> still, still looking over at Mila and Sydney in the, on the other end of the room. The thing that I love about this is, dude, you didn't have to move to get a view of Mila and Sydney. Like, you were looking at them from where you were. So ridiculous. But uh, after we get that shot of Garrett still being totally distressed over Mila and her mysterious new alignment with Sydney, then JT and Glory go in for a kiss again. No one interrupts them this time, but the camera pans down behind a giant teddy bear, so we also never see them kiss. What? Will we ever? I knew you would be mad about this. I was so angry. <laughs> like, why did you do this? <laughs> I knew you would be mad. We've, we've spent 21 episodes getting to this point, and you have robbed me. <laughs> oh, when we come back from the commercial, Sandy is sad. What's new? In an attempt to get some attention from Mila, Garrett picks Sandy up and throws her over his shoulder. She starts screaming, and Sydney says, Everyone can see your birthmark, which is on the bottom of her foot, and it is shaped like a fucking swan. Obviously it is. When somebody says, everyone can see your birthmark, I immediately, I don't care where it is or what's happening, I assume it's on somebody's butt. <laughs> that is my that is my first assumption, is that all birthmarks are on butts. <laughs> That was the first place I went. But then the thing the thing that I love about this is that Mila... Uh, Garrett has obviously done this to get Mila and San- Sydney's attention. Yeah. They come over, and the, the moment that we get is mostly between Mila and Sydney looking at the birthmark on the bottom of Sid- Sandy's foot. 
And we get almost nothing from Garrett or Sandy, which makes it feel like they're just sort of offset off camera props. It does. It's so much like that. It's so and and the the birthmark does in fact look like a swan. We actually see a shot of it on the bottom of Sandy's foot. But obviously, I mean, she's from the Swan family. Of course, she has a swan birthmark. So Garrett at first is very pleased that he finally got Mila's attention, but Sydney immediately like swoops Mila away before Uh they can really talk. The doom music plays in the background, so we know Garrett's starting to get pissed. And then we cut to later in the party. Jimmy is headbanging in his wig and everyone's yelling, go Jimmy. Except for uh, Sydney and Mila, who are still over in the corner. And obviously, uh, Saja is locked in the in the vanity. Uh, Nancy, after Jimmy gets done, Nancy's like, that was so great. If I'd have known you were going to be so cool, I never would have jilted you in sixth grade. Oh, the dreaded sixth grade jilt. <laughs> and I... <laughs> and and Jimmy goes, your loss, slam, walks over and asks Callie if she's afraid to dance. I just, I want to, I want to start with who uses the word jilted? Especially for whatever happens in sixth grade. <laughs> right? Right? Sixth like, graders I, do not jilt one another. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's just, I had always associated with like, jilt, the word jilt to me implies marriage or like engagement, specifically engagement. Or at least like you've been in a committed relationship for a long time and then you ditch someone. So, you know, like there's there's no experience in sixth grade that can constitute a jilting. Is is jilting is jilting the 1992 word for ghosting? <laughs> Maybe. Callie says to Jimmy that if she was afraid to dance, she wouldn't tell him about it. And then she kind of storms off. And then Sydney breezes over and calls Nancy out for breaking her coven vow. Yep. And and uh, and, and Nancy starts in like, well, what, we can we can still be sisters forever and have fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then Nancy or Sydney reminds Nancy that tonight she's not the entertainment. And Nancy says, you did it. You got Mila on our side and away from Garrett. But then we see that Garrett finds his face-down portrait on the snack table. He gazes at it sadly, and Sydney says, not far enough. And the sax music plays. Yes. (laughs) And suddenly, they hear a muffled pounding! Owen starts banging on his noiseless keyboard like it's drums, and he sings, stop children, what's that sound? Uh, he has been sitting on Mila's bed this whole time, just off in his own world. Why is he here? I don't know. I think it's mostly so that we could get that shot of Mila brushing her hair. I suppose so. Nancy says it's the skeletons in the Reznovsky closet, and then there is something about electric hangers. I didn't catch what was said. Did you? Yeah, so uh, Sydney says that if there were any skeletons in the Reznovsky closet, they would come out on electric hangers. So... I guess, you know, like that mechanized thing where all of your clothes spool through so you can see them without actually having to go into your closet. I don't know. It's a rich people thing. It's probably it's probably the same person who designs their phones. <laughs> Everyone starts making spooky suggestions about what the sound is. Jimmy gives a strangely high-pitched howl, and Callie goes over and pushes the button on the fireplace, which rotates to reveal Saja. Now, I do have one important question. How did, how, like, Callie has never been in this room before. How did she know the, where the switch on the wall was for the vanity? Callie knows everything. That's true. Our favorite Mary Sue. Uh, he's no longer trapped inside the vanity. 
welcome back, Sadra. He suggests that he should eat a meatball to calm his nerves, and the entire cast will not allow him to eat a fucking meatball. It's so weird, because when you are the person who is not uh, is not the vegetarian, the last thing that you want to do generally is encourage your vegetarian friends to not eat meat. More often than not, you're like, yes, please eat meat. It will be easier for everyone. You will no longer have to plan for your dietary requirements. Right. Garrett asks Sydney what they were doing anyway, some kind of prayer meeting. I think he's referring to the coven ritual that he witnessed when the boys came in through the window. Yes. And Sydney's like, no, we were talking about you. Then Mila starts beating him with a pillow and reciting the cucking contract. I love it. And she hits him with each number of the cucking contract. Yes. There's lots of shouting and screaming as the big pillow fight ensues. Mila's pillow is leaking feathers at an alarming rate. It, it's not really a pillow so much as it is just a giant bag of feathers, as we discover. Yes. And also, uh, we should note at this point, all of the feathers coming out of the pillows, all of them are pink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Various shades of pink, but uh-huh. all pink. Garrett glares at Sydney and says that he's never going to forgive her. Nancy congratulates her on making this happen. We get an awkward, like, mid-fight flirting between JT and Glory that Owen breaks up by decking JT with a pillow. And then Jimmy, Jimmy, Sydney gets Jimmy going, like, out of the apartment, the, the bedroom, by reminding him that the Countess is downstairs and she's going to hear this. Well, wait, I, you you skipped a critical part, which is that oh, as, so this, as this pillow fight escalates into total chaos, we see Sydney like crouching behind the rhino desk and she's talking on Mila's red shoe phone. And she says, five minutes, thank you very much, and then hangs up and gives an evil grin. Yes. Yeah. So Jimmy and the, the rest of the guys, except for Garrett, are heading out of the bedroom through the window actually we don't see them leave through the window my assumption is that they leave through the window so that they don't go down through the elevator and just run into the countess yes and then like while sydney's going around kind of telling all the boys to get out except for garrett garrett is surrounded by girls who are just beating him all the shit with this pillow he looks up at sydney and he says i'm gonna kill you but he says it in a way that looks like he literally means he's for sure going to actually commit murder. And just yep. to underscore that, the psycho music plays in the background. It absolutely does. <laughs> it is terrifying. We've got we've got a pre-Hannibal Lecter situation here. Like Garrett is going to kill and eat her. I told you guys many episodes ago, I told you, Garrett is one head injury away from building a murder castle. He is a serial killer waiting to happen. And as he delivers this line, Sydney laughs and laughs and laughs as we fade to commercial. It's so good. We only have a few minutes left, like two minutes left after we come back from this commercial break. But, oh, dear listeners, this is such a good two minutes. All the ladies, we come back from commercial, all of the ladies except Glory are beating Garrett with pillows. (laughs) They're really wailing on him, too. Like, just going... Just going to town on this dude. The cops show up with the Countess. Uh, yes. Officer Officer Moore shows up with the Countess. And Garrett is busted by the fucking police! Sydney called the popo on Garrett! The first thing that happens, though, is that the, con- the Countess sort of wanders around surveying the feathers everywhere. <laughs> She looks over at Tutu and says, Tutu, what have they done? 
Um, she starts freaking out and she's going feathers, feathers everywhere. And then she feathers in the Swedish meatballs. The way she delivers this line, feathers in the Swedish meatballs. <laughs> I've laughed so many times over that but, line. The feathers in the Swedish meatballs is extremely good, and I hope that that is the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of making the title of this episode Sopra, but I don't know. <laughs> Sopra is also very good. <laughs> but my favorite thing that the the countess says in this little section, you almost miss it. It goes by so quickly. She she looks at she looks at one of the bears and goes, "The stuffed bear, he was fluffed to perfection." <laughs> Poor countess. She tries so hard. Oh well, Officer Moore is reading Garrett the Riot Act. She's hauling his ass down to the station. Book him, Dano! And Garrett says, what about the others? And he quickly realizes he's the only boy there. And then he says, Sydney. We get ominous (laughs) serial killer music. Sydney gets right up in his grill for the last moment of this and goes, Ooh, I love myself. Roll credits! Oh my god, she's Sydney closes season two of this podcast by stealing Garrett's catchphrase. It's so brutal. Oh. <laughs> and you know what? Frankly, if I were Sydney and I had pulled this off, I would love myself too. Oh, I mean, my god, it was it was a work of art, really. So good. So good. So Obviously, good. Garrett is our psychopath of the month. I mean, no question. He literally wants to murder Sydney. Thousand percent. I would like to give runner up to the rest of the cast for not <laughs> allowing Sasha to eat what he wants. <laughs> I'm putting that in my notes. We're gonna have that in the final episode. Jeez Louise. Uh, we had three new fake swans, including the bed swan, the bath swan, the, 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 the birthmark swan, and the swan in the opening sequence. Excellent. That brings us up to two imaginary swans, uh, 24 actual swans, and I believe it is 60 other swans. My God, that's a lot of swans. So many swans. Okay. What are your predictions for next time, which will be the start of season three of this podcast and the immediate aftermath of Sydney's great plan coming to fruition? Okay, I think the only scene that we get in Mila's bedroom next time might be Mila on the phone. Everything else is going to be other places. I don't think we don't have a police station set. So I don't think we go to the police station, but if we do, it is, it is, all the shots are extremely tight so that we can't actually tell where we are. And if that happens, I think there's a conversation between Garrett and Mr. Booth about why he's been arrested. I think uh, Grant Booth re-ups his commitment to the mayoral race because he's going to crush Muffy Rutledge for what her daughter has done to his son. I think Garrett gets kicked off the baseball team and JT is going to go, going to start pitching. I don't think we get any Owen and Sandy. I think we get, there was no Neil in this episode. So I think we get a lot of Neil next episode, like figuring out the virus on the computer. And I think Neil starts to suspect that there's, there's some sort of ominous influence in Swan's Crossing. Whether it's whether it's that he discovers that there is a secret agent or 
that the the virus has has been intentional in all of their local computers or whatever. It starts to suspect that there's something going on here. Glory and JT are blissful together in the next episode because we've spent a lot of time with them being estranged. So we get a lot of, of them being blissful and cute together. I think the Countess, we do get some follow-up from the Countess about how upset she is that the party was ruined by the hooligans. That's all I've got. Okay, great. Um, Let me say, these are all some very solid predictions. They're very rational. They're very coherent. You may draw whatever conclusion you will from my Ah. screen, Matt. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Uh, I will also say, ominously, that once more, you are not prepared for what you are about to witness. (laughs) When we come back for season three, I've got to grow up sometime. Um, Season three will not be released until October 23rd, you guys. We're going to have some more buffer time built in so we can uh, bank a few episodes in advance. Uh, I'll have a few little mid-season bonuses that come out at some point between now and then. So do not fear. Occasional Swans Crossing uh, content will arise. You can follow us on social media, which I don't do enough of lately, but I will start doing again because I'm almost done with all my work for like the next several months and I will have time on my hands again. So we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod. And I will be teasing season three the the episodes that are to come with some intriguing clips which i will be posting on instagram intriguing clips of uh baffling things that happen in the future uh episodes of swan's crossing which we will shortly be reviewing and i want to be clear i don't instagram so i will have no idea what these clips are yeah, you will still remain entirely ignorant <laughs> of yep. the mad show that is about to fall <laughs> upon you. It's going to be that is wonderful. <laughs> uh, thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up, sometime from the hit show Swan's Crossing. Until we can see one another again, may all of your television watching be so gross. <laughs> I was going to say, may you eat every meatball that tempts you. <laughs> Feathers in the Swedish meatballs? <laughs>